on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Dave and Johnny. It is the Monday after the Open Championship. Uh, we've a new winner in Colin Morikawa. Uh, before that, Dave, were you playing on the weekend? I was, and as always, I was wearing my duck hook here. As it was boiling, it was hot again this weekend. I wore my sun cream. Everyone will be proud to know. Everyone will be happy to know. But I was also wearing my duck hook here. I was wearing the shorts, wearing the t-shirts, the belts. Belts is very nice. Um, oh, you were out as well, were you? I was. I got a late, very late, at midnight on Friday. I had a, got a text from a friend of mine who was up in Donegal, and we went out and we visited the new St. Patrick's Links in um, Rossapenna, the new Tom Doak design. Uh, so we went off pretty early. It was 21 degrees at 8 a.m., uh was glad of the light colors of the duck hook stuff to be honest because playing in dark would have been uh, would have been grim but yeah that was phew, like special. we can get into that deep deeper later wow. yeah i think so because that that deserves a that deserves a podcast of its own um but not like crazy place unbelievable place all right well if you guys want to get um your light color clothes and play the st patrick's links as well uh, go visit duckhook.shop entering coupon code bogeyman at checkout you get 15% off and uh, you can be looking your finest as you're playing some of the best golf in the country let's get into it and we're not going to start with the open no we can't not this week no way Seamus Power yeah we were just actually looking Johnny we kind of didn't realise how much on the radar he was for kind of US media and he was listed as one of the front runners going into the event with um, I was just looking at Golf News Week there and they picked three to watch out were Charles Wurzel, Seamus Power and JT Poston. So I hope whoever that writer was had some money on, on, on the two of them <laughs> getting to a playoff because it went to a five or six hole playoff? Six hole. Six hole playoff um, between the aforementioned JT Poston and Seamus Power. And the Waterford man came out on top with a par on the... Twenty oh, fourth hole of of the day. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was great watching. Like Seamus has been trending the right way for the last few weeks, and we actually were speaking about this at the start of the season when he's been the first reserve, second reserve, third reserve for occasional events, and we were chatting about how tough a position that is, where he doesn't really know if he's starting these events. He knows he has a few alternate events, but he really has to take advantage of those moments and uh god did he ever he started out with a 65 uh on the first day now the barbasol it seemed to be like just a shootout there were some wild scores coming out throughout the week like uh james Hahn shot 60 earlier on the week there were some crazy scores so whilst the open was on this was always on in the background for me just to keep an eye on it because i knew Seamus was going well but there were some crazy numbers going out and look it's great to see that Seamus was amongst those 
low numbers, 65, 68, 67, 67, and then par, sort of birdie, par, 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 par on the uh, playoff mm-hmm. holes. It was brilliant, brilliant to see him. Like just so, so good for, for him and for, for Irish golf, for another guy to be getting tour exemptions, like a lot of exemptions for him now for the next couple of years. Uh, it's great to see a bit of security for him on the PGA Tour. Yeah, like it's 650K dollars. Obviously, it's an opposite event. Uh, these are events that happen opposite one of the bigger events that happen on tour, such as the majors or the players or the likes of those limited entry fields, I suppose. Um, and for him to to get that win, and it's not like this is a bolt out of the blue. This has been, this genuinely, of all of the Irish players playing right now, this, if you were to put... If you were to potentially put who was going to win next from an Irish perspective, it would be Leona Maguire and Seamus Power off form. And we had um, obviously chatted about him for quite some time and you saw that he was just edging closer. He was getting into more events, getting in and then playing well. And then it was getting in and getting top tens. And now he just bashes down the door, gets the two-year exemption, which is just the biggest thing because that allows him now to plan, which he has never been able to do. As you said, was it in um, Harbortown that he literally found out on the Tuesday he was playing and, and kind of rocked up? Um, and that has happened to him a couple of times this year where it's been like limited practice rounds on the course, finding out his first alternate or second alternate, having to fly in, play uh, and pull a score together like that. Whereas now... He can just rock up on the Monday. Um, doesn't have to go to any Monday qualifiers. Doesn't have to go to any Corn Ferry Tour events. Let him just plan his schedule so he can pick his 25, 27 events a year. Plot his way around. He's into the PGA. He's into the players. So he's going to get big tournaments as well. So he's not going to be even playing in these type of events, such as the Barbasol next year. He'll actually be in the big show. Like that makes such a massive difference to, to probably his, his headspace, obviously his bank account. Mm. This gets, this journey gets financed for a long time to come because it's so expensive. Like entries, like you're talking a couple of grand to enter a Monday qualifier for a tour event. Like that is the cost of, <laughs> of going on tour. Like, like it's five, six, seven grand a week for these guys. And that's even by being based in the States. So that gives you, such security which Mm. is what these guys just cry out for at that level and like he's into like he's now knocking on the door of of fedex cup he's up to 69th in the fedex cup rankings so like imagine getting a good week down at east lake and and what what could happen there or just get into that that fedex cup series in those last rounds where there's enormous money to to come and that's where you really get the rewards that you deserve you like the finance piece for this one isn't as big as a normal tour event, but the ramifications of winning are far outweigh that. Yeah. And I guess for anyone that probably hasn't been following Seamus's um, year to date as, as closely as possibly we have, he hasn't missed a cut since the AT&T Pimble Beach Pro-Am, which is on in February. He's had nine starts since then. He's made every single cut with a tie for 22 at Puerto Rico, tie for 54 at... Punta Cana, tied for 54 at Wells Fargo, tied ninth. This is where it gets impressive as well. Tied ninth at the AT&T Byron Nelson, tied 19th at the Palmetto, 
tied 19th at Travellers, tied 8th at Rocket, tied 8th at John Deere, and then winning the Barbasol. That's that's a man who has been trending in the right direction consistently. Yeah, definitely. And no, it's such a punt going over there and trying to, like, whatever about trying to get out in the European Tour, like, committing to the US is such a big move. Now, obviously, he's, he's been there quite some time as well. And but you kind of saw the general outpouring of support from all Irish players towards him because I think they realized that he's really put in so much into and committed so much by by basing himself over there. Um and and now who knows what happens for him. Like you'd be looking at him from a from a world rankings perspective, like he's no worse off than Graham McDowell would have been back when Graham McDowell was kind of backing himself into us opens and stuff like that's yeah. that's the level genuinely where he could he could get to so so funny what happens to these guys when they get a bit of security and they get into the big tournaments and don't have to run around everywhere trying to get a game mm. one week can really do a lot of confidence it can really send you on yeah you see you, you like you named out like four events since like with the top 20s and that has all come off the back of having a bit of security and played his way in, knew where he was going, knew when he was playing, wasn't showing up at, at random events on a last minute call and, and away you go. Yeah, uh, that's, it's super to see from. Hopefully it's the start of more positive results like this. And like, like we said in the last six results, have all been really, really good. Hopefully that continues on. I imagine he's going to take a few days off and probably won't be at the 3M this week. You never um, know. Why not capitalize if you have a bit of form? Guys yeah. are coming back from the like that's the week you go for it. Guys coming back from from the open, um, you like like if you're if you're if you've got if you're on a hot streak and he clearly is with with serious form on top of it, go for it. Mm. That'd be my that'd be my view for him. Now I know like you just you know you just get those weeks after majors which are. Guys show up, the bigger guys show up, they appease the sponsors. Yeah, of course. Of the event, they're probably getting paid to be there. They're all on a, a jet this morning flying back, a little bit tired, a little bit jet lagged, and he can just like cruise down and, and uh, <laughs> get settled in early and enjoy. He's probably enjoyed himself last night and he just dusts himself off and goes again. Yeah, well, Look, well done to Seamus. Uh, well done to his home club as well, West Waterford Golf West Club. West Waterford, well. yeah. So I uh, hope you're all enjoying your time down. You're enjoying his win as well as, as much as he is. Yeah, I'd say um, so. Let's move on to the Open. The Open. Yeah, Champions. it's funny that the Open Championship and a, and a great one with that got overshadowed. I'm delighted to get overshadowed, to be honest, um, because for, for great reasons. And whew, what a four days. I can't, I, I don't think I've watched as much golf ever. Mm. in a tournament i was it was on i was sitting down at the desk at work it was on in the background from quarter to nine until well, i felt like felt like nearly midnight at ranta <laughs> yeah i think i said this after the u.s open but it's been a good year for majors oh yeah and i'll, I'll repeat that now because what hideki matsuyama and his bowing caddy at augusta phil <laughs> at their the the old man in the field showing everyone how it's done. Not even that old. Um, John Ram going back from COVID test after testing positive and just going full pandemic mode on the rest of the field, <laughs> annihilating them as he takes the US Open. 
and then Colin Morikawa, the first player, first male player to win two majors at his debut. So he won PGA at his debut there and has won the Open now at his debut. He joins pretty illustrious company when it comes to a lot of the golf stats and factoids. Um, it's incredible. He is very, very impressive. We were having a chat afterwards where I just put out a few questions like, is he the real deal? Will he win the Grand Slam? Will he win the Grand, Grand Slam before? Like, Spieth is going for Grand Slam. Roy is going for Grand Slam. Like, this may be recency bias, but you would have to fancy Colin to win the Grand Slam before either of those two. Yeah, yeah, you would. Um, that being said, Spieth was in the mix this week. He was, and, and in the mix in a big way. Um it was commented on a lot that Spieth just has to go and like play that kind of golf and just outcome golf as opposed to, uh, sorry, which, which is, sorry, the opposite of that. Sorry. What I'm, what I'm actually trying to say is that it, it takes an awful lot of imagination and not just focusing on the outcome of shots. Um, and he seemed threatening all week, to be honest at that. And then you had two guys who were very similar in Louis and Colin Morikawa, Louis Eustazen and Colin Morikawa, who were very, who are just two unbelievably consistent swingers of the of, of a golf club. And they consistently plotted their way around for the whole week. Louis just ran out of steam by the looks of it. Uh, not That's not to say, no, he threw it away by any stretch. I just think Morikawa went out and won it. And... The pressure came on late. I thought uh, I thought Ram's run from kind of 12 to 15 put him in with such a chance. Now, I know he was at 11 and he needed three more. It would have, look, if he birdied, if he went seven under for the back nine, he would have been one back. So, like, that's a huge ask. He just left himself. He's like that, that racehorse. He just left himself with just a little too much to do, but he was the guy who was closing um, more so than speed. But you went and you said, like, we've had such a good run of majors. Like, we have. We've had, a, we've had a, what was it, seven majors in 11 months, effectively. Uh, so we have been spoiled completely. We've been spoiled by the variation of winners. Um, but uh, there's, there's a guy now who has closed out too, and he's closed them out like, like an absolute killer. Like, he, if you remember back to, um, to Harding Park, like closed out in the par four short par four 16th with a, with a driver to kind of five feet and then had it left him short itself with a terrible shot in 17 to chip and sorry i'm 15 and chipped in like so he's got stones to do this um you never felt like yesterday was going to get away from him at any stage and you text me you're like is he the real deal i was like god he's the real deal like this is the most repeatable golf swing bar probably louis on tour um, it looks like it just will never go wrong and it doesn't go wrong in a big way at all he just needed as he said himself a little bit of a, like time on Lynx courses to find out how Lynx golf is played he found that out in Scotland the week before yeah I was ex- going to say it didn't take him that long no it didn't take him that long and you, like, and he had to make some severe adjustments as well so he normally plays with a bladed uh, 7-8-9 iron and he actually had to switch them out for a cavity whacked iron um, because whatever way the, ter- the the ball went through the turf, he was hitting the ball very high in the face and getting these kind of off-centered hits that were 
I don't know, causing them a whole lot of problems in Scotland, realized what the issue was, <clears throat> changed three clubs, and then goes out and puts on basically a masterpiece. Um, and I, I just thought it was so impressive. And he's such a likable fella too. Yeah, I thought I thought that as well. I, I watched his kind of winner's speech when he was given the, the Clark jug and named as the champion golf of the year. And the first thing he does is congratulate the winner of the, of the silver medal. Yeah, Matej Schmidt, yeah. It was, a, it was a classy move from who is already a very young guy at 24 to have the uh, the maturity to go, well, look at what the future is looking like for this guy. He's unbelievable. Thank you to everyone. Um, yeah, he was great. I think he's he's a magnanimous winner. My head probably said from Saturday night that Colin was going to win this and he was really the man to beat. But my my heart really was rooting for Louis. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty disappointing for him again. Yeah, I think that's the first one he's. There was a there's a list put out of the kind of events. Is like his his top top two. There's his tied or top second, um, and second place finishes. And none of them really he lost. As in he had been played out of a couple of them. I think this one was probably one that got away. Um, but like it's been said so so much. Look back to Jack Nicholas and his record in how many seconds there was a caption that went out of Jack Nicholas over the, the course of the open. And once in kind of 20 years, he finished outside the top 10 and he had three wins within that. So that means he was like second or worse 17 times. I think um, Jack has the most second places in 19. Yeah. yeah. 19. So could you imagine if like those went across the line, how many majors Jack would have? Yeah. But it's also, it's also a very good reminder for for louis and people that are critics of louis that um louis gets so much grief about this like and it's ridiculous like mm, he got a lot of grief on the uh the, the tuesday press conference i watched that and the amount of people has asked him like again and again it's kind of like the tony fino question when are you going to win when are you going to like when are you going to get across the line of these like, majors how hard is it to win at the moment you've just got the best players coming through every single time at the moment like look like ram morikawa matsuyama like it's it's a dustin obviously massive the masters last year um you've such strong players winning and it's this now it's 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 a complete it's a societal thing it's this like instant gratification type thing is if you don't win like if you if if you put it off and you kind of have a few seconds like you're not a closer like tony fino is doing quite all right thanks very much like louis is going to be fine when he wakes up this morning he'll be disappointed he'll kick on and wait to see who will be in the top 10 at the next one we have just a media that is such a pain in the arse to listen to like well it's and a lot of it comes through twitter as well in fairness but there are some big outlets who, who latch on to this narrative about fino about um about louis like the same sound bites come out about Rory. Um, the same sound bites come out about Speed, and they they latch on to kind of this one narrative about them, and they just don't talk about anything else. And yeah. it's really annoying. Yeah, I, it is, and I think it's, it's so hard to win. Like we, like that's all you can really come back to is like week in week out, Louis. I think when he meets with the majors. He's beating 153 to 154 of the guys in the field. There's just one person that is ahead of him. So he's beating like 
percent of the field when if you look at it like statistically there's one person that is ahead of them and like there's so much fluke or luck or the bounce of ball or good decisions bad decisions good bounces lucky bounces stat play into those small margins that I don't think Louis or anyone can turn around and go. There's people who get a free pass at it. Like, like Rama got a free pass up until this year. Like, as the next big thing to come through and obviously hadn't hadn't won a major. DJ's won two. Rory's won four. He gets a mouthful of abuse about everything he does. Speed has won however many. And six months ago, he was finished, never to be seen again. Like, give the guy a break in terms of like putting himself into contention like four days at the top of uh, three days basically at, in leading or tied for and he loses out to the guy who everyone has said is the best ball striker on the pga tour or in world golf like he has really taken over from rory on that mantle of people that are recognized as as the best out there the next fella chasing him down is the world effectively the world number one well i know he got relegated to world number two there recently just by virtue of one round of golf but was ram speed is some sort of a savant in terms of links golf that he just he's a genius um and he's in this little cluster and is in this little cluster for the biggest tournaments every year year in year out um and then you've got all of these people who just dismiss him that he's a choker and he's this and that i just it really frustrates me and it takes away from I think it takes away from Morikawa's win, like because everyone's like, ah, Louis just lost that yesterday. And I saw that like written as another one by Louis that he threw away. You're like, no, no. Morikawa went out and won that. Yeah. There were some, even on the Saturday, there were some holes where Colin played very, very smart play. I think it was on 17. He went three wood off the team so that he could have a full wedge or full lofted, lofted club in his hand to get to a very, very tricky front pin, which had a very steep fall off from the front. And Louis hit driver and had 70 yards to the pin and basically couldn't get enough club on it or couldn't get enough spin on it to, for it to stop close, whereas Colin could. And that's just one example of where Colin Morgan definitely went out and won this event. Now, on I think it was 15 on, seven, on the Sunday, Louis got stuck in a bunker. Yeah, knifed it over the back. Now, like that, that hurts because that was essentially a two shot, two shot swing, because Colin, I think, birdied that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you could feel that you could feel, yeah, he or you could easily turn around and say he shouldn't hit it in that bunker, but like, of course he shouldn't have. No, and he, like he went for it on a couple of occasions with driver, and he he drove it. I think it was fourteen, drove it in like this, basically into the front of a fairway bunker, which are just basically caverns, mm. and. He had to. He had to go for that. That was a drive he had to take on. And if you remember, Morikawa actually laid up a hundred, nearly a hundred yards shorter than that after he did that. So you were down to like a match play situation where, if Morikawa was going to do that before, I don't know, but he certainly said it's easier to make four from back here, kind of thing. Then where where Louis isn't. Louis dropped a shot, and he was like that. That put him back. Those those two shots basically cost him cost him or two holes cost him three shots and yeah and it was just unfortunate like he took chances when he when he i suppose yeah that was 13 you know he did bogey he did birdie the next to get him back but 
he took chances when he had to and and tried to get his round going. He just it just was hard going. Like the every player said pins were absolutely lethal, like lethal over the course of the weekend. Like let's think let's think about it. like leaders are at twelve under after two rounds. Leader finished finished at fifteen. The the there's like stroke average went up by two and a half shots. Um and the wind dropped. So what does that tell you? It was just unbelievably tough around the greens, which is where where the difference was in terms of your point about Colin, Colin Murakawa putting himself in positions where he was hitting full shots in, able to stop it, and able to be hole high every single time. Uh, whereas Louis, as he said, was hitting driver a little bit further, coming in with less club, not as much club head speed, not as much spin, and very, quite hard to control the ball. Um that's just the way they approached it. And Morikawa's, this was tactic one. Mm. Why do you think Louis, why do you think it is Louis and other guys like Fina get such a hassle from the press when like, when you're saying the likes of John Ram or guys don't? Because it, it seems to be kind of random as to who gets, who gets targeted. Yeah, they're but, soft. I, tar- I think they're soft targets. They're nice guys and they come across as nice guys. And Ram has this edge to him. DJ has this aloofness to him, but obviously has a ton of wins behind him. Um, they're they're simply defined by the number of victories they get, and once once they have, they are seen to have any sort of a frailty, and both in this instance is closing tournaments out, that it just gets latched on onto, and it's and it's the only thing that they'll talk about. I liken it to media talking about like the courses um they fix on one thing this point like how many times did we hear that there's incredible undulations on the fairways in Royal St. George's over the weekend Mm. and it's said every five minutes whether that particular is very undulating or not it was like that is just the narrative they go with and they don't let it go because it's the easy one it's the lazy one to pick up on um they don't look at kind of the bigger picture as to what are the like what what are the influences on on louis wins or tony fino's losses for example like what has happened within that within that you go back to waste management louis lost to patrick cantley was it patrick cantley or Webb Simpson? patrick cantley where cantley birdied four of the last five holes to get into the playoff birdied the playoff hole Fino parted like that's the context around that. So effectively, that's what people like latch on to. Not that Cantley went and won it, or Sim. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember. Was it Simpson or Cantley was one or other? It's it's the same as with with the with Riv with Riviere with Tiger's event where yeah. he's, he was playing against Max Homa, and um, it goes to playoff hole and Homa wins it wins it there as well. It's just a a mentality of, of of getting it done. Yeah, exactly. And I it it just gets it gets latched onto. But like, let's go back to sorry, going back to the the tournament itself. There was like there was a couple of unbelievable stories as well. Like you see Marcel Seam come back to life like at forty one, drifted out of the world's top thousands, won on Challenge Tour last week. He must have qualified via um, open qualifying uh, for it. Uh, backs into uh seven under for the actual event and is has like an unbelievable time but the crowd just got behind him and like to see him finish like t- top 15 um mm. like massive 
and there was stories like that going all around like for for the events and it's one of those events that does throw that up um the place looked incredible the weather was real oh it looked well the weather is effectively what we've had so it just <laughs> burnt out running hard and was a proper like a proper proper open yeah i think there probably wasn't a, a huge amount of anticipation or hype built around the open this year because i guess people kind of say st george's is one of the lesser stops on the road like books kevka came out and said a few bits he's like oh it's not my favorite i kind of i could take it or leave it as a course um but i thought it was fantastic i thought it like you said, the fact that it was 15 under was the winning score. It's a course that plays different to your bomb and gouge typical PGA course. Like say we're back at St. Andrews Old Course next year, and that plays very short for current technology and current players. So I, w- I don't think that 15 under will be the winning score at St. George's next year. At the so that, no, it never will be unless year. the wind blows. Um, that that place is designed, like if it's that kind of benign conditions and that plays fast, St. Andrews is one of those places that if it does play fast with no wind, it gets even shorter. Um, so so my, my point is that St. George's is actually a really, really well designed and thought mm-hmm. out course because as like, like you're saying, the scoring average went up about two and a half strokes on the weekend when the wind died. So it got tougher. Yeah, more benign got. Yeah, they were they they found a way to trick it out. The green or the the fairway rough was unbelievably high, so that was instant penalty. Bunkers were a proper penalty, um, and then what they did to the greens on the weekend made for just very entertaining, <laughs> entertaining golf. And they found a way to protect the course from from the players, and they did that through runoffs and rough, like runoffs around the green and long rough around around fairways and um, look what happened look at the first now they found it commentary were picking up that not one lost ball on the first now if you're at a tour event there's never lost balls really like but and that was just from hitting it into rough and they were had so many people bombing it into there making making bogey on the first just because just because of that and it made just it made everything treacherous for them and just so enjoyable to watch Hmm. It's always a lot easier to not lose a golf ball when you have spotters all the way up the whole like they should be on every course at all times i need my own personal spotter yeah it just <laughs> yeah i think uh there'll be a lot of people that have for that there's nothing like going playing in like a golf classic where they have spotters on all the blind blind holes and the red the old red and green flags and you're just mm. pre- praying for the green one yeah so for from uh so moving on Colin or do we want to keep, keep talking about Colin I don't, I don't think we've given him a huge amount of time apart from the fact that we said he completely won this event I um, don't know what more you can say like about him he's going to win multiple multiple majors this is only the first the boy's 24 uh, he's an absolute stud of a golfer like he's got a game that obviously can work anywhere Harding Park is like now, I will say, actually, those two courses were potentially similar in terms of how they were set up. Not that long, but certainly treacherous um, if you went off the cut and prepared. Um, interesting to see how he gets on on um, like over the, ne- over the next couple of events to see where if he can, if he can follow it up or what he'll follow it up with. Um, I'd be, you'd be remiss enough to be, um, to be putting him down as someone who's not going to win for the rest of the year. No, I would even say he's going to have a very big role to play 
in the Ryder Cup this year. I don't know how different Whistling Straits will play to um, like uh, Royal St. George's, but it does play like a Lynx style course. Obviously, it's pretty exposed course uh, by the water again. Look, this is only a good thing for Colin Mokawa going into the Ryder Cup. Very similar courses, uh, like very similar, like a premium on driving, um, small greens, um, can be hit by wind. Now, that would be the big thing to see where that the wind didn't blow there. So does he does he overcome that obstacle? He's answered every single question asked of him thus far. Um, I can't see how the Ryder Cup is going to be any different other than one of these guys that just steps up with unbelievable ease through the levels if you remember back when both he and matthew wolf turned pro he won in his he won in his one of his first five events um and lost in then a playoff effectively to um or, or lost narrowly to, to matthew wolf after he won so he stepped up from college to pga tour never went through q school or anything like that won got his exemptions now stepped into his first major, effectively, which was PGA in Harding Park. He won that. Now it's his first Open. He's won that. So there's nothing to say that he's going to step into, um, uh, step into the Ryder Cup and have any difficulty with whatsoever. There's just these sports people who are like that. As soon as it gets better and bigger, and the pressure is more that they just seem to go into another gear, but they don't look like they're flustered in any way, shape or form. Yeah. He's I hate, hate very, those people. Yeah. He's certainly very composed. Um, it's great to watch. He just, he's, he's a very, very good player to watch and a good guy to keep an, keep an eye on. Just keep track of what he's up to. Um, he just seems like a, a pretty decent dude at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, clever boy as well. Paul McGinley was at pain to measure his degree from Berkeley, which you actually, it's one of those rare places like Stanford, if you are on a scholarship, that you have to be smart uh, or you don't get by. Um, so he's he's got smarts as well, and he's probably quite chilled from anything I've seen about him. It's actually a very good uh, piece on him with his coach, um, and they shot it around his old course, on how they actually adapted his own his own course to suit him by making their own course within the course. So oh, they didn't well. have any long par fours. So they picked a random green and a random fairway from a random tee box. And there was three holes involved. And that's how they were recreating these holes. And he has a huge level of adaptability and his coaches, he's had his the same coach since he was a kid. And he just seems to keep his team very small. There's no great dramas about him. You'll never hear of him kind of slagging off his equipment manufacturers on live press conferences, or you'll never hear him get into a social media battle with anybody and all that childish rubbish that we've got going on, which is mildly entertaining for about two minutes and then it gets old. So he's, yeah, it's just a bit different. He's a bit chilled. Do you want get into the Bryson Brooks stuff now, really no like there's such a pair of spanners like to do them at the moment I think Brooks is just <laughs> Brooks can't help himself that's the problem with this Brooks just can't leave it Brooks can't leave Bryson go and make an idiot out of himself Bryson is perfectly capable at the moment at every turn of making an absolute tool of himself like the thought that he came out and bashed his equipment manufacturer like 
is is just bonkers. And then for the equipment manufacturer then to come back and call them the equivalent of an eight-year-old, um, you're just like, don't leave it. And then Brooks comes out and says, I played really well. I love my driver. And the press conference, you're like, you didn't have to. We know you, you should have just smiled. You should have just smiled and said nothing. Um, which he kind of, it's just, oh, it, it was, it was embarrassing because all of the players came out behind the equipment manufacturer, no matter who they were with. It was like, of course. Like, I think was a JT came back. He's like, who knew that swinging at 135 miles an hour with a five and a half degree driver would actually produce miss hits? Like, you're just, for a smart guy, he's just devoid of any sense whatsoever. So let them work away. They can get this pip themselves between the two of them split a 20 million each let them give it to charity or whatever the hell is going to happen with it but uh, bryson has picked a fight probably with someone there i don't know what the actual real levels of animosity are but he's probably picked a fight with the wrong guy in that it doesn't look like brooks is going to let this go and brooks looks like he's now kind of (laughs) it's really getting to him Uh, he's become very short-tempered. Um, now he backed into a 65 at the weekend, so he'd obviously he'd obviously sorted out his driver fairly quickly, hadn't he? Uh, so that just kind of damages any credibility he, he has in relation to the statements he's putting out. Um, very lucky that his, his, his manufacturer is staying with him because, to be honest, I don't know, he, he sounds like an awful lot of work. Um, what else happened? Oh, Rory. Super quick on the the Bryson Brooks thing. All right, I think Brooks is he, he just can't help himself, like you were saying, in terms of just twisting no. the twisting the dagger. But it's fuel. It's so easy for him to have to do it though, because Bryson just keeps giving him fuel for the fire, and all Brooks needs to do is just just pour onto it. Uh, what I really enjoy seeing was like the open getting involved and getting and 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 just throwing their their two cents worth into it and and it's it's great like i think if you look at the formula one on the weekend it's a great example so max verstappen and lewis hamilton uh crashed lewis went on to win the race Mm. max went out and put up a bunch of tweets and then f1's actual social channel screenshot the tweets put them up and they're like oh max isn't happy um Mm -hmm. really good to see the sport like the sports body get behind that uh, I would love more of that from the PGA Tour. Like, oh, show no. the animosity between the players. Show a bit of the, the the needling between them. Like, play into the fact that, like, how cool would it have been if I don't know if Kyle Stanley was even in the field this year, but have Kyle Stanley and Bob McIntyre play again this year. Like, they've been pretty yeah. vocal about the fact they don't like each other. Yeah. Like, play into that. Lean into that. That's good fun. Yeah, That's good spectating. They, they won't do that. Know that. That's that's great, Craig. Like for you and me, for like who are into that, I'd I'd be like, this is cool. Like seeing them around. Didn't uh, Dejambo put in a request not to play at Brooks there quite recently, and that was granted by the PGA Tour. They're just they're they're such a bunch of dinosaurs in terms of the product. Like, yeah, yeah. They they invent this thing called a pip, and they have no idea of why it would work or how them how it would work, like. It's just, it doesn't, they don't get it. Whereas Formula One get it. They like drive to survive is there. That's like showing you the warts and all of Formula One, like all the Machiavellian type activities that go on within the sport. Whereas PGA Tours, oh, we'll do the pit, but we, let's, let's, let's not damage the brand here. here. Oh yeah. Friends. Like this, we're all, we're all good guys. We're all gentlemen here kind of thing. They're like, no, they're not. They can't like, they can't stand each other. And if they can stand each other, they're doing a good job of, 
of um of of showing otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So but um so that was pretty entertaining. I did also um, like that Brooke said, well I won't be playing with him on the Ryder Cup. Yeah, like straight out. Like don't like the guy, so I'm not going to. Um I think there's a few like behind the scenes they obviously know who likes who and who will play with who and all that, but the the fact that he's so vocal about it is that's ah, great. It is. So you wanted to move on to what Rory oh, <laughs> Rory, like he's just a gift that keeps on giving after majors when he doesn't play well or any tournament whatsoever. So Rory was asked about the Olympics and obviously he is going to represent Ireland with Shane Lowry and his comment after the after the tournament in which he's obviously rolled up, it hasn't gone well. This is just by the script for Rory at this stage when he doesn't when he doesn't play well in the tournament. He said I'm not a very, very patriotic guy. I'm just doing this because I think it's the right thing to do. I missed it the last time in Rio. And for golf to be an Olympic sport, you need your best players there. And I want to represent the game of golf more than anything else. And you're just like, I'm just going to wait for the climb down for this one because it always happens. Rory says something. It's a head and hands moment. He goes, probably shouldn't have said that. And always, he does in fairness have some sort of a climb down and say, listen, I was running a bit hot after the tournament. It didn't go the way I wanted to. He was, he was giving out about the setup in Tokyo. Um, that what was the comment that I don't know if there's much to look forward to. It's going to be a very different environment. I'm looking forward to getting another week's golf in and trying to get my game in shape. There's not much else to do with. So 12 hours at the course per day, hopefully I can get my game into better shape. It's just like, I just think of probably, I was looking at kind of the, I was looking at the road to the Olympics. Um, it was a kind of a destination Tokyo type documentary that was on there recently. And you just look at what some people put in to get to the Olympics from an athletic point of view. And I think this is where the core difference is between like swimming athletics and golf tennis and i was actually thinking of one but one other sport there um golf and tennis mainly because they're the two or cycling uh, professional cycling it's like the olympics isn't part of the majors really for them um they have their own majors cycling has the tour the giro and the vuelta um tennis has their four grand slams golf has their majors and that's what everyone looks to and the fact that they are actually three of the highest paid sports. It'd be like putting all of the professional footballers actually in, in that bracket as well, probably. Mm. They are so, so highly paid within each of their individual sports and exist within that bubble that it just doesn't really seem to resonate and match with them. It's not a traditional sport within that, um, within that kind of, uh, with that Olympic spirit of it, I suppose. And that's obviously a fairly throwaway term, but it does get these kind of comments. Yeah, I think it's a funny one because when, so in like football, it's the kind of different to golf because obviously when you turn professional, you still represent your country at different football events like the Euros just gone by. But in golf, you don't do that. But as an amateur, you do. Like you're repeatedly representing Ireland. Like just last week was the European, was the European uh, competition. Mark Power was over in Spain playing PJ or yeah, Spain playing PJ Catalonia. Like they should have just made golf an amateur sport. Wow. Because could you imagine, like, so let's say Definitely. John Murphy's obviously turned professional now and he's flying, he's obviously won. But could you imagine after the Walker Cup and the, all the success that that brought and all the good 
media, Mark Power and John Murphy then go off to Tokyo and represent Ireland. Like the, like the media climb that would have got behind them and the big way that they would have ridden to get to Tokyo and represent Ireland again, it would have been brilliant. It would have been a great storyline. It would have been really good to watch. Plus also, it's a chance for people that aren't necessarily into golf and, and other sports. If you want to talk about athletics and stuff, like how many athletic athletes going to Tokyo does your average punter know? But you guarantee for those couple of weeks when athletics is on, everyone's going to be an athletics expert. And the same thing with golf. You get to see new, yeah. new talent emerging, people coming down the line. Like Seamus Power, uh, he was in Tokyo, he was in Rio, and probably a lesser known name then. Like he saw Stelz who played on the tours, but he wouldn't have the profile that Rory or Shane would have. And you can be certain that people watch him and Archie have got behind him since then. And look at where that he is now this week. Do the same thing with Mark Power and or other guys, other amateurs. Um, give them the opportunity. Yeah. Now, this is not to say that this is a bad field. Like, my God. No, Like, the, the top 10 in are Ram, Thomas, Morikawa, Shoffley, DeChambeau, McElroy, Hovland, Matsuyama, Casey, Answer, Sung J.M., Cameron Smith, Joachim Neiman, Tommy Fleetwood. So that's like not a decent or not a not a bad um that that's a WGC kind of style event. It's they have as many as, as they need to make this very entertaining. Um and but then, if, if their heart isn't in it, like what is that a good thing? Yeah, like and I don't know how what the reaction has been on, on the women's side of the game because they have actually a stronger field in than than on the male side, like with mm. Nelly Corda, Jin Young Ko, Inby Park, Seung Kim, Daniel Kang, Hiju Kim, Brooke Henderson, Yuka Sasso, Alexi Thompson, Lydia Ko. Like that's that's the who's who. That's the top ten in the world. Um, but again, their their hearts in it, but they're in it from a different space because women's golf doesn't get as much love or coverage as the men's game does. So this for them is a platform. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for for the men, it's an obligation. And Rory's going to come out with Rory's going to come out with a client and saying, "Listen, I probably didn't recognize the spirit of the games." Blah blah. Wait, you see, it'll it will happen. He says it after everything. He said after Dunhill that he thought St Andrews was set up terribly and all this kind of stuff that it's too easy, even though he didn't win. And you're just <laughs> he he does these things like it's it's some, just something that Rory does. Yeah, the nationality question seems to be particularly tough for him as well. Yeah. Now bear in mind, he was asked on numerous occasions what it's like to be at a home open. And he said, like, did the whole thing, it's great, whatever. And he skirted that. Port Rush was a home open. Like if the if the if the event goes to Port Marnock in 2030, like it's probably supposed to is that a home open? <laughs> like he just gets I'd say he's just sick of it. And he probably just didn't want to get drawn on that question. And this was his response to it. And it just ended up like mealy mouthed and uh, yeah. And he, and he was pissed off because he didn't play well. He very nearly played well. He played well for nine holes. Yeah. Bob McIntyre played very well. Delighted Bob McIntyre was unbelievable. Like Bob McIntyre actually probably as well in the on the closing stretch put a ball out of bounds late on the par five, I think 13-14 and he actually like made birdie with second ball, birdie the next, and actually that swing might have put him in at double figures, and then may have been able to have a run. Like he just looked like he was having one of these ball striking days that he seems to have. 
Um, Shane was good. Shane was like a, like a, a, a very good defense. He just couldn't get the putter going. Um, on a couple of days, I was following um, his live um, audio from the Open Channel and just cut, apparently couldn't buy a putt, um, which is really starting to annoy him, I'd say, at this stage. Um, you can relate. Oh, it is frustrating. Like, you might, like he's putting him. He said, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> Definitely can relate. He, um, he's shaving holes left, right, and center. It's just not dropping for him in the way stuff went for him. Um, but like an unbelievable... Um, like you know, like a serious turn return to form over the last while. Like he's gonna win soon. He will win. That will all that will will click and he'll get in. Uh, Rory was never there as we as we kind of alluded to. Uh, a couple of people were never like JT was kind of never there. Kevin Kisner played the best round of golf of the week out on his own the last day. Round of two under in two hours and twenty nine minutes. <laughs> the man deserved. He should he should have got a medal for that. Yeah, it was seriously, seriously impressive. Um, it was, yeah, it was good. good yeah, so plenty of like plenty of talking points from it. Um, one of the main actually talking points for me is that the um, the lack of British actually involvement at the kind of head of affairs um, at the moment is is probably a bit worrying for for at, at Open Championship time. Like you do have to like from a British perspective, McIntyre was the was was, was the, the leading top, light. Yeah, yeah. seven under tied for eighth. Yeah, and then you like Casey to, again is it's tied fifteenth, and then there's just like the gap. When is like when is Tommy Fleetwood going to come? When is Matt Fitzpatrick going to kind of capitalize on 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 his form, etc.? So they're probably wondering who's the next one that's going to come and, and win something. Now, obviously if Bob McIntyre does it, he will be classed as British. And then when he does it until then, he'll be Scottish. So um, that is normally the way that happens, isn't it? Happened to Andy Murray. Yeah. Cynical. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but it is, it is a consideration. They're, they're constantly in, I see them appearing less and less. I run a couple of these um, open sweeps and I just see them less and less been mentioned as, as in, in people's, um, in people's picks. Hmm. So Bob McIntyre or Shane and Shane Ari are both fighting for spots on the Ryder Cup team. Do you think they'll both make it? If not, and just one makes it, who do you think is going to be the man? Um, like it's a very unfair question. I understand. That's that. a very unfair <laughs> question. Um, like I'm just opening up the rankings here because I, I think you can't really say or give us was an educated view on, on, on that without, without looking at it. So as it stands, um, McIntyre is significantly ahead of, of, of Shane in those rankings. So, um, Shane's 39th in the world and Bob is 48th. Oh, in terms, no, in terms of the actual, uh, Ryder oh, no, Cup Ryder rankings, Cup. Yeah. the Ryder Cup actual rankings themselves. Like, I don't know, is that going to be the definitive um, uh, piece that, that that Harrington goes off in terms of his captain's choices? Um, so to give some context, Shane is now in the qualifying spots, the automatic qualifying spots. Is so, he? Yeah, John Ram first, Tommy Fleetwood second, Tyrrell Hatton third, Matt Fitzpatrick fourth, Rory fifth, Hovland sixth, Casey seventh, Westwood eighth, Lowry ninth, and then you have the three captain's picks. 
So oh. that's a question that may not even come to fruition. Now, I only found that out this second. And then on the bubble, you're dead right. You have Wiesberger, Perez, McIntyre, Migliosi. Now, you got to you gotta say Bob. It's going to be on that team. So he, I'm saying he's... He's off yeah. his form. He's just... Yeah, and he's going to... And he's going to pick Poulter. Um, and he... Oof, after that, then what is it? Is it Sergio? Like, I'd say by Larry playing himself into that slot, he has alleviated a massive headache for Harrington. A yeah. massive headache. Because... He couldn't a, really be seen to be picking a mate. No, you couldn't. Um, but if you kind of scroll down a little bit past that bubble, um, then you're into... Okay, from from there up, it's oh, Migliosi, Hovland, Dietrich, Westwood. Um, yeah, it makes a it's making a huge difference. It's making a massive difference to to how that is. And Shane's obviously getting in on his world points at the moment. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a serious logjam there, kind of. 10 or 9th to 16th there's probably six guys there that you'd be looking at very very seriously yeah is, Ho- is, Ho- is Hovland in on world points is he Hovland is third on the world points yeah yeah, yeah. so okay. it's a little bit confusing but you have to go to the main page of the Ryder Cup for rankings to see actually what it is because you can make head and or tail of it on on the actual European versus world points like Shane is 17th on European points and ninth on world, but he's actually, if you look at the overall, ninth on the rankings. So, whatever witchcraft happens in between making that um, uh, making that list up, uh, it has uh, it has it has put him in there. Um, and it was the tight, it was the tight 16th finish at the Open that's that's put him put him in. Interesting. Yeah. So. Like you're probably looking to me, Hovland, Hovland, McIntyre, and Hovland's then, already in on the world one. Yeah, sorry. Um, you're looking at sorry, uh, Sergio, McIntyre, Poulter, uh, Perez, and Westwood. I would have thought he only has three picks though. That's the they would be the four that I'd be. Choosing out of yeah, yeah. I probably agree with you. Westwood, Sergio, Wiesberger, Perez, and McIntyre. Guido Migliosi's had some good runs, but I I think that it's been too short uh, for him to really consider him. Yeah, I think so. Probably experience um, would count for a huge amount. Like that's what you want to get in, which you want one kind of (laughs) what's that one wild card or bolter. You can go in and do what the young lads do and have a bit of fun. And then you have to you have to pick a couple of rocks in there that you're guaranteed to get probably two points out of over the week. Yeah. And even with that, like if you're looking at the likes of Beesberger, Perez and McIntyre as your picks, like let's say they're your picks. Mm-hmm. Um, Perez was in the final group of the WGC earlier this year. Bob McIntyre has been top 10 in seven for seven majors that he's played. The last two years, um, Wiesberger recently won and is constantly in the top 10 on the two tours whenever he plays. So, like, even though they are technically picks or, or would be considered rookies, 
um, a lot of experience in those three guys. Yeah, huge experience. So he'll be um, he won't be wanting for that. I don't think from from that team. Um, but look, as I said, great to see the chain is now in the automatic spot. So he just has to keep that going, get one more win. We said that he has to do well in the open and he has to win. And I still think he may have to win to uh, to 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 nail down that slot. Yeah, I think he's not quite the automatic yet. slot. The automatic yeah. slot, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So the people have waited long enough. Do we want to do St. Patrick's links as a separate pod and try and? Oh, I th- I think so. I think it's worth it. Um, Given the time to be honest. It deserves. Okay. Yeah, I think so. It's um, poof. mad place. You were chatting mad to Kevin place. Markham about it on Twitter. So that back and back and forth going on. Yeah, um, you're both big fans. Yeah, like it's just a different way of playing golf. It's a different way of playing links golf. It's a different concept from greens and stuff like that. There's no real greenside bunkers to deal with. You deal with these just massive green complexes that are big as a football field. Tee wow. shots, you look like you're hitting at 15 yards and you walk down there and the, the tee or the, the fairway was 70 to 100 yards wide. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the look that you get. It's, it, it will, I think it'll go down as one of those kind of masterpiece types. Uh, it's not a championship type course at all. It's, short it's finicky it's slopey greens and fringes are cut not tight but roll fine you know it's, oh, it's like i think it's worth a it, it's worth a good chat and we might get kevin on to, to have a chat about that actually because i know there's a few people who've spoken about it and i think that would do it justice um having someone who's far more uh coherent than me i just get i just get excited about the place to be honest and be blabbing on whereas he can spot some nuance and probably iterate what we're talking about a lot better all right very good well i guess we might leave it there then guys thanks me thank you so much for listening again um we we went down a few rabbit holes there but uh it's always good the weekends after the open when you've got so much irish news happening as well um and until the next time when we'll be chatting about who knows what course uh we'll see you soon on the tee jack nicholas this is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Glory.